Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you once again as we study from the Word of God and find out from the Word of the Lord just what He wants us to do with this life that He's given to us, how we should live each day of this life. Um, I want to talk to you today about God's favorite day, or to put it in another way, how to make the most of every day. If you will, be finding the 118th Psalm, Psalm 118, and I've got the scripture up on our uh, on our uh, slide today in case you don't have a Bible close at hand. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Can you say that today? This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And you ought to say that with a smile on your face too. <laughs> You know, uh, that's what we want to talk about today, how to rejoice in the day that God has given to us and how to make the most of every day. Um, I can't help but remember the story about a man who was sitting at his breakfast table reading the newspaper when his wife came up, um, breezed through the kitchen. She gave him a kiss on the cheek, and she said in sort of a matter-of-fact sort of way, um, I bet you can't remember what day this is. And, well, he answered defensively, of course, I sure can. I know what day this is. Well, he went back to reading the newspaper uh, while she rushed upstairs to finish getting ready. Well, all the way to work that morning, this, this bugged him <laughs> that she would say that. Uh, and he kept asking himself the question, what day is this? What day is this? And she knew that, uh, he knew that she was very sensitive about, you know, forgetting Valentine's Day and uh, anniversaries and things like that. So, but for the life of him, he could not remember what, what day it was. So he decided that he just better not take any chances. And so um, driving home, he stopped um, at, a, at a store to purchase a box of candy and a dozen roses, a gift-wrapped bottle of his wife's favorite perfume. And uh, opening the door, you know, uh, he rushed back into the kitchen where she was preparing the evening meal. And he said, surprise, surprise. She said, oh, sweetheart, you know, this, this is the best Groundhog's Day I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Well, some of us are better than others at remembering special days, but there is a day that uh, there is a day that all of us need to remember as a special day. And guess what day it is? It's today. Today is a special day. And that's true because, you know, when you think about it, you can't do anything about yesterday, and you can't do much about tomorrow either. And that leaves today. This one day that God has given to us, this is the day that God has given us to serve Him and to make an impact upon other people and to see Him work in your life. This day is that special day that God has given to you. And that's why you ought to say, just like the Scripture says, this is the day that the Lord has made. And He's fashioned this day just for you. We will rejoice and be glad in it because of that. And uh, at the beginning of this new year, I think it's appropriate that we reflect upon this thought. That we understand how we can make the most of every day. That we can live every day to its fullest. Because I believe that's really what all of us want to do with the days that God has given to us. And there is a way that we, that we can do that. So I want to just offer up some suggestions, three principles if you will, that can help you to make the best of every single day. And the first uh, suggestion that I want to give to you this morning is simply this. Make sure that you receive each day as a gift from God. Each day. Recognize that day as a gift from God.
from God. Listen again to the scripture. This is the day that the Lord has made. And what's interesting is that this word made is actually the same word you find over in Genesis 1 and 2 where it speaks of how God created the heavens and the earth. He fashioned this day for you. He created this day for you. And he made this day for you. It is a gift that you and I have from God. And because it is God's gift, there's something very important that we need to recognize. Because it is a gift from God, that makes you and me a steward of this day. Amen? I was uh, talking to Mia last night. She was um, watching her daddy put this uh, series of slides together. And she said, what does that word say right there? I said, that's stewards. She said, well, what is a steward? I said, that's somebody who takes care of something that belongs to another. She said, oh, yeah. Well, that would make Michaela a steward then, wouldn't it? Because I said, what do you mean? She said, well, some are listening, of course. said, well, Michaela took care of my guinea pig for me while we were on vacation. I said, well, yeah. Yeah, I guess that would have made her a steward, right. But it's somebody who takes care of something that belongs to another. And the fact is that time is a gift from God. He doesn't give it to us in the sense that we are free to just go out and squander it any way we want to. He gives it to us on loan because one of these days we'll have to give an account for the use that we've made of the time that God has given to us on loan. But it does make us a steward of time. We have to understand that if we're going to make the most of every single day. Amen? To know that God has given you 24 hours in every day. He has given you um, 1,440 minutes in every day. He has given to you 86,400 seconds in every day. And that is true of you. That's true of me. It's true of all of us alike. Nobody can come up and say, well, Brother Rick, I just uh, have been shortchanged by the Lord. He's given me only uh, 22 hours in every day. Because the fact is, he's given all of us the very same amount. And these moments, these minutes, these hours, these seconds are given to us as gifts from God. And the only difference is how we use the time that's given to us. I read about a man not too long ago uh, who, who had a $7 million watch built for him by the Swiss uh, watchmakers cost him $7 million. Now, I can hardly imagine the, the gold and the, the uh, silver, the precious stones, and all of the intricate workmanship that went into the construction of that watch. $7 million. Anybody here would pay $7 million for a watch? I think I paid maybe four ninety five for this one right up here. There's no way I would pay that much for a watch. Seven million, but he did. He paid $7 million to these Swiss watchmakers. And, you know, I couldn't help but wonder what all must have gone into the construction of that watch. But here's the thing that, that, that I thought about, too. This man that wears that fabulously expensive watch of his has no more time than somebody who's wearing the $4.95 watch that he bought from Walmart, you know? I mean, come on. You can't do that much with a watch. And time is one of those very few areas of life where we're all on equal footing, great and small alike. The President of the United States has as much time as you and I have, and we have as much time as he has. And that is because God has made these days for you and me to use for his glory and for his honor. Every second, every minute, every hour of today is a gift from the one who has made this day. And he's given time to us that we might spend it wisely that we might spend it wisely. And why is this so important? Because I want to tell you something. Every one of us has a busy schedule these days. 
And with today's busy schedules, you, you may often wish that you had more time, as I've often wished that I had more time. But you know what? When you think about it, listen, you may not have all the time that you want, but I can guarantee you that you have all the time that you need. Amen? Now, some of you aren't on board with that, but listen again. Listen again. You may not have all the time that you want, and I'll put it up here in case you don't get it. But you do have all the time that you need. You see, the only things you need to do in life are the things that God wants you to do in life. Amen? And you've got enough time to do just that. God will certainly give you enough time to accomplish all that he wants you to do. Well, you think about it. Jesus Christ, the master teacher, the son of the living God himself, lived only about 33 years or so, give or take a couple of years. And yet he could say at the end of his ministry, at the conclusion of his life, I have finished the work that you have given me to do. Jesus said that in John 17 verse 4 to the heavenly father. 33 years he had finished the work that God had given him to do. You know in the apostle Paul, we don't know exactly how old he was when he, when he left this world. But he said, I have finished the race. I have run that race. I've finished the course. And so what I'm saying is whether you die young, whether you die old, you have enough time to do what God has called you to do with this life that God has given to you. With all of the days that God has given, these gifts from God, you can accomplish God's will for your life in the time that he has graciously provided. Now, with that being true, this leads us to one big question. And this question I want us to have in the forefront of our minds as we launch ourselves into 2009. How would I spend the next 24 hours if I knew that Jesus was coming tomorrow? How would I spend the next 24 hours if I knew Jesus was coming tomorrow? Would I go out here and make amends with that brother that I've offended or with that sister that I've not been speaking to? Would I go out here and talk to my lost neighbor about the, the gospel of Christ? Would I go out here and, and try to tell my kids, you know, how much I love them and how much I want to see them saved? What would I do with the next 24 hours if I knew Jesus could come tomorrow? What would I do? Listen, friend, whatever your answer is to that question, you ought to be living every single day with that spirit, with that attitude. Amen? Every single day. That's how you need to live your life. Because Jesus could come tomorrow. He could come before the setting of today's sun. Now, do you want to get the most out of life? Do you want to live your life to the fullest? Then here's what you need to do. You need to receive each day as a gift from God. And remember that God will bring you into an account for the use that you've made of the seconds, the minutes, and the hours of every day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, there's something else we need to do if we want to make the most of our life. Not only must we receive each day as a gift from God, but we also want to redeem each day for the glory of God. Redeem each day for the glory of God. We do this if we understand a couple of things about the time that God gives to us. Number one, we have to understand that time is a very precious thing. And some of us who have been around long enough understand just how precious time is. You know, it just seems like the, the weeks, the months, the years just go rocketing by and it's like where have they gone where's the time gone 
I can still remember when I had a full uh, head of hair, you know? You know, and when I wasn't fighting the battle of the bulge and all of that, I mean, when I was jogging and all that kind of stuff. Now, where's that time gone? And some of you can remember some times. A long time ago, and it just seems like yesterday. Tommy, you remember when you had a full head of hair on you? <laughs> Brother, listen, at least we can laugh about it, right? Amen, that's right. Where does the time go? It's precious. It is so precious. It's like sand that's, that's seeping through our fingers as we try to grasp onto it. You know, we just can't seem to hold on to the years, the days, the weeks that go by. Because time is very precious. God has made today. And because he made today, it is a precious day. And we need to value today and every day as something that is precious. Because, you know, when you think about it, time is life. It's the stuff that life is made from. And therefore, to waste time is to waste life. And I don't understand it. You know, I realize a lot of our young people today, they just got so much time on their hands. And you ask them, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Oh, just killing time. Listen, friend, when you're killing time, you're murdering opportunity. And when you're killing time, you're obviously not living with the awareness that this could be your last day. And what I'm saying to you is that you and I need to make sure that as we go into 2009, we are ready to redeem each day for the glory of God, realizing just how precious... This little bit of time is that God has given to us. The Bible urges us to take careful account of the minutes that we have been given today. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 5 through uh, 16 there. 15 through 16 rather. The Bible here says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise. Well, how can we live as wise people, not as unwise people? He says, Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Watch this. How can you do it? Watch. Making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. So here's what I'm saying to you. The art of living wisely is to spend your time wisely. Or as the psalmist puts it in Psalm 90 and verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Do you want to apply your heart to wisdom? In other words, do you want to make sure that you are pursuing that which is a wise and healthy course? Yes, Brother Rick, I, that's what I want. Well, let me give you a few suggestions as to how you can do that. A few practical suggestions. As we realize how precious today is, here's one thing that would really help a lot of us. Some of us that aren't doing these things now. You make sure that you spend enough time with God to get a clear sense of His direction. You do that every single day. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs uh, uh, 3 and verses 5 and 6 there, that we're to do what? We're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. We're to acknowledge Him in all of our ways and the promise, He will direct your steps. And so how can we do that? Well, a good suggestion would be to spend enough time with God to get a clear sense of His direction. Let me give you some sound advice this morning, something that some of you really ought to start doing. Make sure that you give to God the very first part of your day. Now, I know that's hard for some of us to do. If we get up early and we rush out of the house, we're off on our way to work or something like that, it might not be a bad idea if you could get up a little bit earlier. Now, some of us aren't known to get up real early in the morning. Uh, but I love this scripture here. Uh, Psalm 63 verse 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Can you say that? 
You are my God. Early will I seek you. I hope you can. Some of us don't have any choice. We have to get up early. And it's always good to spend a little time with the Lord before you really get your day going because you really don't get your day going well if you don't spend that time with the Lord. And I know some people are going to say, well, now, Brother Rick, I am just too busy. But, friend, I want to say to you in all love, if you are too busy for God, you are busier than God wants you to be. Amen? If you're too busy for God, you're busier than he wants you to be. Something else has got to go. If you want to be a better businessman, if you want to be a better student, a better parent, a better homemaker, if you take time for God at the start of each new today, then you can fulfill your God-given purpose each and every day. So spend a little time with God at the beginning of the day. And the reason I say it doesn't really have to be in the beginning, but here's why I suggest that. Because if you don't spend it with God in the beginning of the day, what generally happens? Well, we go through our day, you know, and we take care of this, we take care of that. Then we're tired, we're fatigued, we're exhausted at the end of the day. Guess what? We're counting sheep before we've even spoken to the Lord that day. And it won't happen. So that's why I say, why don't you try starting your day out with the Lord, that quality time, the two of you, before you begin your day. Something else you need to do if you want to make the most of every day. Be sure you set those priorities that honor and glorify God. You know, Jesus tells us in Matthew, the 6th chapter, verse 33, that we're to seek first what? What are we to seek first? We're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness with the promise that all these things shall be added to you. So we need to set God-honoring priorities. And the reason this is important is because many times life is not a simple choice between the bad and the good. It is often a choice between what's good and what's best. That's where we have our battle. It's not a difficult thing choosing the good things in life, but it becomes a problem putting the best things over the good things. And I want to tell you, I've told you this before. When the good things in life shut out the best things in life, then the good things become the bad things in life. Do you understand that? When they shut out the best things in life, they become bad things. I don't care what it might be. It might be some personal hobby. It might be uh, some kind of activity that you just enjoy doing. Nothing wrong with watching TV. Nothing wrong with, uh, you know, uh, uh, half dozen of the things that people like to do. But listen, if those good things shut out the best things, they become bad things. And so you've got to make sure that you have set for yourself God-honoring priorities. Don't let the good steal the best from your day. I like the fact that in Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul said there in verse 13, this one thing I do. He was a man who knew how to set priorities for his life. And he says, this one thing I do, not these 12 things I dabble in. You know, perhaps the saddest thing in the world today is, is misplaced priorities. And I think all of us fight that battle in certain areas. Our priorities are not where they belong. I know that was certainly true with one man. A woman said to her husband as he was leaving for work one day, Sweetheart, don't forget today that we are, we are moving, so don't come back to the old address. Well, the husband was kind of offended by that remark. He said, Do you think I would forget such a thing as that? Well, sure enough, he goes off to work that day, and he is so absorbed in the uh, matters of his, his work that he drives back home the same night to the same house, pulls up into the same driveway, <laughs> This time the door's open, the paper's out in the, the uh, yard, and, you know, the house is empty of furniture. And he says to himself, oh, no, she told me I'd forget, and I sure have. And to make matters worse, he says, I can't even remember where we moved. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, just then the, the man sees a little boy riding a bicycle. He says, uh, you, young man, listen, uh, 
do you happen to know uh, the family that used to live here? Kid said, yes. Well, do you happen to know where they moved? Little boy looked at him and said, Daddy, Mommy said you would forget. <laughs> I'll tell you, th that man surely had a problem of misplaced priorities. His head was in all the wrong places. But the point is, you know, we, we ought to make sure that we say no to something every single day so that we're able to say yes to something more important every single day. So we've got to be sure that we're setting those priorities each and every day. Some of us are still fighting those battles right now. We allow the good things in life to shove out the best things in life, and we wonder why we're not happy. If you want to be able to say, this is the day that the Lord has made, we will rejoice and be glad in it, you've got to set priorities that honor God. Something else you need to do, you need to live daily in the power of the Holy Spirit. Daily in the power of the Holy Spirit. I know that sounds charismatic, it might sound Pentecostal, but you know what? The fact is, we're not to spend one single day without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. Amen? If we're children of God. Amen? We have to live each and every day in the power of God's Holy Spirit or we ain't living, brother. We've got to understand that. And I think it's more than coincidental that in the same context, Ephesians 5, where Paul says that we're to make the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time and so on, in the same context, that's in verse 15, in verse 18, Paul says to these same believers, and be filled with the Spirit. The fact is, you're not going to make the most of every opportunity unless you are filled with God's Spirit. Amen? As, as far as I'm concerned, and, and you know, I don't want to make anybody mad, but here's just the way I see it. As you awaken every morning, you are faced with two choices, child of God, as to how you're going to live out your day. You're either going to live out your day in the energy of the flesh, trying to, trying to you know, duke it out in your own strength, using your own wisdom or you're going to do it in the spirit of God and the strength that he supplies those are the only choices those same choices I'm confronted with every single day you can either live life on your terms or you can choose to live life on God's terms and I found out friend that when I choose to live life on my terms things don't turn out so well so you and I have got to make sure that we are living in the power of the Holy Spirit each and every day. As we awaken each morning, we should pray, God, fill me with your Spirit once again because I'm just like an old bucket. I've got holes and I tend to leak. And you know what? We need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit of God every single day of our life. Or we're just not going to get it done. We're just not going to get it done. What did Jesus say in John 15 in verse 5? He said, without me, you can do nothing. And that's why a lot of us don't have the fulfillment. We don't have the peace. We don't have the joy, the satisfaction that God wants for us. That's why a lot of us are not living the abundant life, but simply living the redundant life. Same old, same old, day in, day out. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. So that's why I say, as you begin each day, you make sure that you ask God for a fresh, a fresh filling of the Spirit of God. And by the way, if somebody wants to question what I'm saying here, you've got to understand that linguistically in the original text, Ephesians 5 verse 18, where it says, be filled, it's in the present tense in the Greek language, which suggests the idea of a continuous action. Okay? In other words, it's not a one-time-in-a-lifetime event. It is something that is to take place Constantly, constantly. 
Keep on being filled. That's the intent of the language. Keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. And if you're like me, hey, we all leap. Mm -hmm. That's why we need to make sure that we do this every single day. Something else that would help is realizing that procrastination is a sin. You're not going to understand today is a very precious gift from God unless you realize that procrastination is a sin. Because people who tend to procrastinate, what do they do? They take each day for granted, don't they? Oh, I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to get around to it when? One of these days. Not today, you know. And their philosophy in life is never do today what you can put off till tomorrow. You know, like the old poet said, procrastination is my sin. It brings me nothing but sorrow. I know I need to quit it, and I will, in fact, tomorrow. No. The Bible says, James 4, verse 17, To him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is what? Sin. You don't put off doing what you're able to do today. And if you're doing that, you're not making the most of every day. You're not recognizing the preciousness of the time that God has given to you. You are not redeeming every day, each day, for the glory of God. You're not doing it. Now, I want to tell you something. We need to make sure that we understand that that we've got just a limited amount of time. If you want to build your character, if you want to develop Christian character, let me give you a suggestion. Do what you don't feel like doing when you don't feel like doing it. Try that sometime. Do what you don't feel like doing when you don't feel like doing it. Then you will be building Christian character. That's so important. We need to do what we're going to do for God today because... We can't plan to do it tomorrow, and we certainly can't plan to do it yesterday. I like what old Zig Ziglar said. Anybody heard the name Zig Ziglar? Just raise your hand. You, you ever wondered about that name? Why did his parents give him that name? I mean, I know the Ziglar part. That makes sense. But why did they stick Zig to Ziglar? I don't, I don't get, you know. Why not Zach? Huh? Well, anyway, be that as it may. Here, he, said, uh, he said this. If you do what you ought to do when you ought to do it, then you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. That's pretty good. I like that. If you do what you ought to do when you ought to do it, then you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. You know, that's a matter of living by priorities, understanding what's best as opposed to what's good. Life is a precious thing. Every day is a precious gift from God. We've got to understand that if we're going to redeem each day for the glory of God. Not only do we understand that today is a precious day, but it's also a passing day. A passing day, and it's passing quickly. Today will soon be gone. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ realized this when he said in John 9 and verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no one can work. You know, time is a very strange commodity. You can't save it, you can't borrow it, you can't loan it, you can't leave it, you can't take it. In fact, there are really only about two things you can do with time. You can lose it or you can use it. And if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Amen? Consider these truths about time. Time can't be stopped. Just can't be stopped. Now, you can call time out in a ball game, but you can't do that in life. Time can't be stopped. Not only that, time can't be stored. You can put money away in a bank, but you can't do that with time. Time can't be stretched. Now, you can always put in another cup of water in, a, in, in, in the soup, you know, but, but you, can't, you can't add a second to time. Can't do that. And time really can't be shared when you think about it. 
Now, I can give you many things, but one thing that I can't give to you, careful how you hear this, one thing I can't give to you is time in the sense of taking minutes away from my life and adding them to yours. I can't give time to you in that sense. I can share, I can spend it with you, but I can't really share in the sense of taking from me and giving to you. It just can't be done. And so, you know, when you think about it, even daylight savings time really doesn't change anything except our clocks, you know? It's still passing. We have no more time in any day, even under that arrangement. And it's important that we understand that, that time is passing. That means that whatever you're hoping to do, whatever you're hoping to accomplish in your life, you be sure that you're attending to that today and don't put it off. A woman once wrote uh, the late advice columnist Ann Landers and said, I'm 36 years old. Some of you can uh, relate to this. I'm 36 years old. They're trying to get me to go back and finish my education. If I do that, I will be 40 years old when I graduate. What do you think? Ann Landers' answer was classic. She said, how old will you be four four years from now if you don't go to college? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Time is passing. Seize it while you can. And if you have something that you want to do for the glory of God, you be sure that you're doing it. Because time is quickly passing away. Today is the most important day of your life. And given the passing nature of time, how important it is that we realize that we've got to use today wisely. The pioneer missionary Robert Moffat once said this, We shall have all eternity in which to celebrate our victories, but only one short hour before the sun sets in which to win them. How true that is. So what I'm saying is that if you want to make the most of every day, if you want to live life to the fullest in 2009, be sure that you receive each day as a gift from God and that you redeem each day for the glory of God. And then finally, here's something else we want to make sure that we do, and here's often where we just kind of leave off. We've got to make sure that we rejoice each day in the goodness of God. Rejoice each day in the goodness of God. Listen again to the scripture. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Are you glad in this day? Are you glad in the day that God has given to you? You know, I like the little ditty that says, When things are troubling you and you can't sleep, try counting your blessings before you count sheep. Just count the blessings you've got. And, you know, it really doesn't matter what what all's going on in your life, how bad things may get for you. We all have days like that. I want to tell you something. Every child of God has something for which to be profoundly thankful to the Lord. Amen? Every child of God has something for which to rejoice. (laughs) So let's focus on the present because I'm telling you something. There are two days, two days, listen, that can rob you of today's joy if you're not careful. Two days. Today is often crucified between two thieves, and they're called yesterday and tomorrow. And don't let that happen to you. Don't let yesterday or tomorrow steal the joy that you should experience this day. And yet it often does. A lot of times we miss out because we let yesterday uh, well, that should be today. I'm sorry. Let, don't let today be stolen by yesterday. I'll tell you what, these kids can really mess you up sometimes when you're putting something together. <laughs> and it's always so good to have children you can blame your mistakes on too. <laughs> but that should read, don't let today be stolen by yesterday. Um, and uh, how do you do that? Well, by living in the present. Now, 
you let today be stolen by yesterday, not by living in the present, but by living in the past. And that's what many people often do. More than they realize, they do just that. God wants us to live in this day. We sometimes choose to live in yesterday or in the past, if you will. They're so par- many people today are so paralyzed by the, the ghost of guilt that they can't really enjoy today. There are a lot of people that are also uh, dealing with uh, the burden of past grudges, and they can't really enjoy today. You know, somebody has offended them, somebody has hurt their feelings, and they're not able to enjoy today. There is no quicker way to poison today than to inflict it with the bitter gall of past regret over something that has happened yesterday. So don't let, don't let today be stolen by yesterday. Don't let yesterday steal your joy today. And don't let tomorrow do that either. And I'm afraid sometimes more Christians than not will do this very thing. We're worried about tomorrow. We're worried about what's going to happen next week. As we enter into 2009, so many people are worried about the economy, worried about war, and uh, all of these things. And what happens is, while we wait for tomorrow, anticipate and fear tomorrow, we miss out on the joy of today. And what did Jesus say? In Matthew 6, in verse 34, he says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. In other words, there's no use putting up an umbrella until it rains. You know? I mean, don't worry about tomorrow. Your shoulders and mine are not big enough to carry tomorrow's burdens as well as today's. Your shoulders and mine are only large enough to carry today's burdens. And so Jesus says, live one day at a time. Make sure that you are not trying to live life in the lump. You know? Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God has a very delicate ecology for the soul. He allows enough difficulty in every day to draw us to him that we might learn to lean on him. And then he gives us enough strength every day to meet those difficulties. But he only gives today's strength for today's problems and today's needs. Deuteronomy 33 verse 25 says, As your days, so shall your strength be. Think about that. And yet what do we often do? We worry. And we pull tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. But when you think about it, worry does not empty tomorrow of its troubles. It only saps today's strength from this day. And what happens a lot of times, friend, is that we go into tomorrow just completely exhausted because we have been, we have been fighting tomorrow's battles with today's strength. And so then when tomorrow comes, we're exhausted already. No, Jesus says, don't do that. Worry is one of the, you know, more popular Christian pastimes. It's one of the more common things that Christians do. I guess you could say it's their favorite indoor sport. But it's a lot like sitting in a rocking chair. You know, worry can give you something to do, but it can't get you anywhere. And Jesus wants us to understand that. You can't experience the joy that God has in store for you this day unless you're able to rid from your mind those worries and those anxieties that you have taken upon yourself. And I do emphasize that we take it upon ourselves. God didn't put that on us. He didn't put these burdens and these problems and these anxieties upon us. Jesus says, cast your care upon him. Amen? And yet we take it upon ourselves. We try to, you know, tell God, God, move over. As the general manager of the universe, I'm here to change things. And often it doesn't work very well at all. And I know there are some days... When it's very difficult to be joyful. But the Bible does not say that you're to be happy all the time. 
Even Jesus Christ was known as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He wasn't happy all the time, but he had the joy of God in his heart. And it doesn't matter what you're going through right now. We've all had our down times. There are some things that you can rejoice in. You can rejoice in the grace of God that has saved you. You can rejoice in the goodness of God that surrounds you. And you can rejoice in the glory of God that is before you if you're a child of God. And that's true no matter what else is happening in your life. So don't worry. Rejoice. Your heavenly Father is watching over you. Every day of 2009, he's going to be watching over you. He's not only got the whole world in his hands, he's got you in his hands as well. And don't forget that our God is a God of the present tense. You know, he doesn't say of himself, I was, or that I will be. He says, I am. And we're to live in this moment knowing that the great I am is our strength. He is our rock. He is our refuge. He is a very present help in time of need. And so understand that we're to receive each day as a gift from God. We're to redeem each day for the glory of God. And we're to rejoice each day in the goodness of God. As Philippians 4 verse 4 tells us, we're to rejoice in the Lord always. And so, friend, I want us to just make sure that we're going to live each day to its fullest. I want us to make sure that we have a motto that we live by each and every day. And we've got to somehow make this motto or something similar to it at least. Here it is. Yesterday is buried. Tomorrow is unborn. I will give it my best today. Now, if you can go forth from this place saying that very thing, Yesterday is buried, tomorrow is unborn, I will give it my best today. If you can say it today, and if you can awaken saying the same thing tomorrow and the day after and the day after, you're going to make the most of your life. You're going to live your life to the fullest because you will have received each day as a gift from God. You will have redeemed each day for the glory of God, and you will rejoice each day in the goodness of God. Friend, I want to tell you something. God is... Such a mighty God. He is such an awesome God. And He has wonderful plans for your life and for mine. And oftentimes what happens is we shortchange ourselves. But every God-given day can be a God-gladdened day as long as it is a God-governed day. And if you are putting the Lord and His kingdom first and foremost in your decisions, in your behavior, in your lifestyle, in your habits then Jesus is going to take care of you. He's going to give you what you need, and he's going to make sure that he gives you the strength to live each day to his fullest. Some of us here need to work on this. I hope that this is one of your resolutions for 2009. I really do, because I want what is best for you. God wants what is best for you. God wants what we would want if we only had the sense to walk. And God says there's so much more that I can do with your life that you've allowed me to do up to this point. Some of you here have not made a decision to become a follower of Christ. You're not a Christian because you've not put your confidence in Jesus as the Son of God. You've not turned from your sins in genuine repentance. You've not confessed that name which is above every name. And you've not been baptized through Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You need to do that today if you want this year to be lived out for the glory of God. Some of you here need to make amends with somebody that uh, you're on the outs with. Some of you here need to restore a broken relationship with the God of heaven who loved you enough to send his son to Calvary's cross to die for you. I can't make you do that. This church can't make you do that. God won't make you do that.
Because your life is a lot like a dollar bill. You can spend it any way you want. But you don't spend it once. And so why not, as we begin a new year, make sure that this year is going to be lived out for the glory of God. If you have a decision to make for the Lord today, we're going to invite you to come while we're standing, while we're singing this invitation hymn. If we can assist you in coming into a closer walk with God, then we ask you to come. While together we're standing, while we're singing this song, won't you do that?